Hey guys, if you are liking this podcast, would you consider going to Apple Podcasts to rate and review it? That would really help me out and I would love to hear what you are enjoying most so far. For more content and episodes, you can visit www.thecuriositycast.com hey or follow us on Instagram at thecuriositycast. Stay curious. He was homeless in Seattle for several years, addicted to drugs, and lived a pretty rough life during that time. Now he works with a homeless organization and is helping others get off the streets. In this episode, he shares really openly about his experiences, which includes reference to drugs, suicide, and other pretty raw topics. So just a heads up for anybody who may be triggered by that content. Here's Marty. I have you here today because I want to chat with you about your experience um, experiencing homelessness in your past and now how you sort of moved past that and where you are today. So could you just share with us a little bit about where you're from and what brought you to Seattle? Um, well, I'm from Wisconsin, a little farm town, southwest corner. Uh came to Seattle pretty much because I lost everything and my family, my parents died, my kids were taken away. Then my dog died and yeah, lost my relationship, my house, all within two years. Wow. So uh, yeah, I decided to come out here to pretty much go out with a bang. Okay. Were you working at the time when you left Wisconsin? No, I just got laid off. It was during that little recession we had in 2009. Okay. What was your work during that time? Uh, plant manager. Oh, okay. actually, it was a, oh, what was it? Uh, production, yeah, assistant plant production manager. So you... Um, just to clarify, you were in Wisconsin and all those things happened within two years and you lost your job. And so then you decided to come out to Seattle after that. Yep. Okay. Where did you go when you came here? Did you know anybody or have any connections? Uh, just with all the wrong people, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> I knew a lot of drug dealers and thieves from when I was out here before for a little bit. Okay, so you had been here before. You'd been in yeah. Seattle before. Yep. I used to go to Olympia every summer to be with my cousins. Oh, okay. Okay. So is that kind of why you chose this area? Because you already knew some people out here? Yeah, pretty much that. And the weather's beautiful out here. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it'd be a good place to die. <laughs> oh, man. Is that, I mean, is that sort of what you were thinking when you came out here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Why did you feel that way? Um, well, for one, I lost everything. Once my kids were taken away, I didn't give a crap about anything. My boys were my life. Mm. And since I was 17, I was a class A felony for, uh, I already had two strikes. It's hard to get a job when you have two strikes against you. I would I got locked up for 15 months for beating the guy that raped my older sister. Mm. At 17? Yep. Wow. 
Try it as an adult. And thrown to the wolves. Do you feel like that that event changed your the trajectory of your life at all at that age? Oh yeah. Yep. When did you start or yeah, when did you start doing drugs? When was that a part of your life? Um well I very started like fourteen, fifteen. Okay. Going to parties and stuff. And I started dabbling in weed and cocaine. A lot of acid. So when you came out to Seattle, what was your life like when you came out here? Did you have a place to live? Or uh, you mentioned you had drug dealers and maybe friends as well that you could be with out here? Yeah, I couch surfed for a little bit. Then started working for, while driving for the dealers, thieves, and an escort agency. Wait, what was the last thing you said? An escort agency. Okay, okay. And you were the you were a driver for all those people. Yes. Okay. Did you have any contact with your sons during that time? Rarely. My ex-wife wouldn't let me talk to my youngest son. My oldest one, he got kicked out when he was sixteen. So I talked to him every once in a while. Okay. How old were they when they were taken away from you? 11 and 15. Okay. I remember I remember in some of our conversations, you just shared about how much you loved being a dad and playing video games with your sons. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about your relationship with them? I loved them to death. I spoiled the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I paid to keep them. I paid child support so I could keep raise my sons. Mm. Even though, you know, because, again, because I was a uh, class A felon, I couldn't get rights to my kids. So I mm. just did it any way I could. Okay. They're worth it. Yeah. So when you came out to Seattle, you said that you had very little contact with them? Yep. Okay. Um, can you tell me just a little bit about what your, what your life was like? Describe your life for me when you came out here and when you became homeless. Um, I became homeless about eight months after I got here. I was, uh, driving for all the wrong people. Mm -hmm. The escort agency packed up and went back to California and my, at the time, my best friend got thrown in jail for, I think he might have went to prison. But anyways, he was locked up, and I was just left out here with nowhere to, really good to go. And so I started selling drugs until the police started harassing me. <laughs> they would pull me over almost every time they saw me throw me in jail for 72 hours and then release me long enough to just screw up my day. And yeah, after that, I lost all my business mm -hmm. and then I couldn't afford rent no more. That's why I complete, completely became homeless. 
So where did you go when you didn't have any more friends to stay with? Um, well, when I ran out of friends to stay with, that's when I went and got an apartment. And after that, it was just sleeping in my car, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you have a specific place in Seattle that you would park? Oh, no. No. Constantly getting harassed by the parking people and cops, so I picked a new place almost every night. What are the services like in Seattle? Did you find food and water, and did you access those, or were you more self-sufficient? More self-sufficient. Every now and then, I'd go to one of the feeds, like up on Capitol Hill. We had a couple during the week. Otherwise... I took care of myself. If I needed something, I got it. How long were you homeless in Seattle? Almost nine years. Eight and a half, I think. That's longer longer than I remembered. That's a long time. Yeah, too long. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning you planned to come to Seattle because it would be a good place to die. Yep. Did that, how did that affect your time in Seattle? And your life, I mean, just your life. Well, it didn't make it good, that's for sure. I ended up getting stuck on heroin. And after that, uh, living just became real, I don't know how to say it. Uh, it sucked really bad. Mm-hmm. And... Then it just, I mean, heroin gave me the courage to actually try and kill myself. So you actually did attempt suicide during that time? Oh, yeah. Once I was in a coma for seven days after overdosing on my medication, hydroxyzine, Welbutrin. And you have to take a lot of those. Um... I don't know how many ODs purpose. Somebody was always around with Narcan. I used to get so mad. It's like, what am I doing waking up? <laughs> and then the last time was over at the gorge. I'd never been there before. Didn't know where I was at. Uh, but the guy I rode up there with took off with all my stuff in his van. I didn't have glasses, couldn't see nothing. My wallet was gone. And I was really messed up. And they, the people that run the gorge kicked me out of the concert because I was too high. And I got a ride over to some gas station where I pulled out all my dope, heroin and meth, and shot it all up. Hmm. Sat down in the middle of the road and waited for a car to run me over. I-90. Wow. What, I mean, how did that end? I woke up in jail. Okay. Cop said he found me unconscious on the road. And then it took 45 minutes to, to get me to the hospital. Meanwhile, I'm dead. No heartbeat, no pulse. How many times do you think that sort of thing happened, if you were to guess? 
seven or eight. Mm. No, I have to guess. I know. Yeah. And can you can you just describe what Narcan is? You mentioned that that was always around uh, to wake it's you a, up. It's a blocker. It it pretty much puts you in. It stops the heroin from doing what it does, and it makes you dope sick instantly. And okay. once you've been Narcan, you have to wait a long time before you can get high again. So the meanwhile, you're sick and feeling miserable until it wears off. Okay. And that's what people use. So who would have Narcan? Is that the EMTs or the police or... Who can, who would do that? You'd think that the EMTs would, but they don't, well, a couple of years ago, they, they didn't carry it. Okay. But I think, I know some police officers carry it now. Yeah. And you, anybody can go down to the uh, needle exchange and get some. So who would be administering that to you when you would overdose? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Just some, like a couple of times, it was just random friends that walked by. Okay. Saw me done. And otherwise, people that I was with. So if you were to describe, tell me what it's like to be homeless. What would you say to people? It's not fun at all. I mean, it might be all right in the beginning. But once you get hooked on drugs, life just sucks. Hmm. miserable people look at you differently treat you funny actually they treat you like crap like you're a lesser human being and I mean they'll do their best not to have to walk by not to look at you and if they do you can see the disgust in their face what would you say is the hardest thing about being homeless well, for me, I was always getting chased by the cops. I always had a warrant. So I'd say the hardest thing was having a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, just having a place. I always had my own home until I became homeless. Yeah, you mean back in Wisconsin? Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you lived... A quote normal life for a long time before you experienced homelessness. Would you yep. would you say that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of wore a certain tie to work every day. Drove a 2005 Saab. Had a house, garage. Beyonce, my boys. <laughs> I was living the American dream. When you were sort of in the midst of your homelessness and addiction, would you ever think back on that time and think, how did I, how did this happen? How did I get here? Did you ever have those kinds of thoughts? No. I look back at things and how life was so much better. I knew how I got there. And, you know, it's, I knew that I had to finish why I got there. The people kept bringing me back. 
Why do you think that is? No one wants to see about it die. Especially if you know the person. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember you telling me about the story of being buried alive when you woke up. Oh. Do you mind, do you mind sharing that story? Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. So, I just stole a car, a whole bunch of computer equipment, and as I was taking it to the dope dealer, I ran into a sort of a buddy of mine. He was really dope sick, and I was like, hey, let's get you high. <laughs> he jumped in the car, we drove around, got, got the dope, and for three days he wouldn't leave. Uh, one night, we're sitting in the parking lot behind the library up on Capitol Hill. And I told him, it's time for him to go. It's like, I can't handle this. You're going to get me busted. And you're too messed up. I heard him say something when I turned to look. He smashed me in the face with a steel pipe. Broke my nose, my cheekbones, my forehead. And... My nose was like on the side of my face. I was unconscious, I guess. And I woke up to him just trying to find a place to bury me. He thought he killed me. And you know, the one thing that really gets me is how many people heard me screaming as he beat me unconscious. And how many people called the cops or anything? Not a one. Not one person. Yeah, when I woke up, I took off running, get the hell out of there. Made it to Swedish Hospital. Got in there and the nurse was checking me out. And all of a sudden, he come bursting through the door. And he was coming in to finish me off. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he found you? Oh yeah. He followed me all the way up there. How did you, how did you get out of the hole he was burying you in? He didn't, ha- he didn't actually hold, have a hole yet. He was okay. looking for a place to get rid of my body. Okay. Wow. So. So what happened at the hospital when he showed up? Well, the nurse held him off until the security game got him. And I didn't see him again for like four months. What happened the next time you saw him? Well, I was ready then. It was over at Dick's Burgers. And I tried to get him to come at me then. He wouldn't. He didn't want anything to do with me. He just talked a lot of smack and that's about it. Okay. I saw him a year and a half later. Gave him some food, blanket, two cups of Kool-Aid. Yeah. So you you helped him a year and a half later. Yeah, I ran into him on search and rescue. And, you know, I like search and rescue. So, instead of stabbing him in the throat, 
I gave him some food. That guy's a sociopath and a very evil person. He was in prison for stabbing somebody 32 times. Um, from what I know, he smashed some little girl's face in with a hammer. And yeah, he's just no good. We had, I had volunteers with us, so. I mean, honestly, I just thought about it. And I don't want to throw my life away for him. Hmm. He didn't recognize me. So. Oh, he didn't. But, so he didn't know nope. who you were. No idea. At least he acted that way. I am a lot bigger than what I was then. I mean, when I came into the program, I was 140 pounds. And how, wait, how tall are you? 6'3". Okay. I was sucked up. So, um, how did you end up getting out of homelessness? What happened in your life? Uh, jail. That was the best thing for me. After so many times of trying, finally, one of the release planners decided to help me. And... Yeah, she hooked me up with the Union Gospel Mission. Actually put me in a cab that took me right to their front door after I got released. And I never left. <laughs> so did you know you were going into a recovery program? Or were you yeah. just going for the shelter at that point? No, I was going right into the Republic, or recovery go program. And because at that point, what were you addicted to? Heroin. But I'd already kicked being in jail. I was a little uh, disgruntled after I found out they had a link pro program where you could work and just stay there for free. Because when I first went in, I had already, you know, already kicked drugs, went through all the withdrawals and everything, and I was doing fine. But I cannot complain now. So how long have you been clean and sober at this point? Uh, since December 12th, 2017. Congratulations. That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any other uh, stories that you could share about your time being homeless that would sort of paint the picture of what your life was like? It's just pretty much a horrible time of existence. <laughs> go for days without a shower. Once I actually went like a month. I mean, it was pretty pathetic when I got in an elevator. And I smelled something and it ended up being me. It was embarrassing. Yeah. After a while, I couldn't go in any of your stores. People didn't want me around because cops were always after me. Sleeping in doorways until someone came and kicked me out. Hungry all the time. Dope sick a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just pretty much every day wondering why I'm waking up, not wanting to. 
Did you have uh, friends during that time that you guys um, had each other's backs at all, or were you on your well, own? You're always on your own here. I mean, really, there's no such thing as friendship in the drug game. Hmm. Drugs come first. People will be nice to you. They'll say they're your friends. Then when you fall asleep, they'll take everything you got. The next day, help you look for it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what happened when you graduated the program, the recovery program? What What are you up to now? Do you have uh, a place to live and a job? Oh, yeah. I'm, I work for Search and Rescue now. And they hired me on the day I graduated. I'm living in a duplex down by our administration office. And that's at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission? Yep. Yeah, okay. So um, can you describe what Search and Rescue is for people who don't know? It's an outreach during the nighttime where we're out taking supplies to the homeless encampments, or anybody that can be, can't make it to the mission for the meals. Um, food, snacks, socks, water, blankets, and a lot of the times what volunteers bring, miscellaneous things. Okay. How do you feel about your work doing search and rescue? Um, well, I love it, but a lot of frustration. You see, I'm doing this basically to help my friends out in a good way. Be there when they decide to change their mind and change their life. Most of these people out here I lived with for the past eight years. Mm. I know them well. And I don't want to see them die. I don't want to hear any more names come up as, hey, did you hear this so-and-so died, so-and-so OD'd? 17 people that I know have died since I got in the program. Wow. That's, I mean, that's two and a half years or something. That's yep. a lot. Oh, yeah. Mostly from drugs or from what? All from drugs. All from drugs. Yeah. These are homeless people. Friends Is it hard for you to go back and be around that lifestyle so often? Is that triggering for you at all? No, not triggering. Actually, hanging out with normal people is more triggering. <laughs> Why so? Uh, because it's just different. Life is totally different. And I mean, I admit, I miss the freedom. The adrenaline rush, cops chasing you. But just sitting around, um, sober thing is, it'll take some time to get used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty different life. Just, yeah, yeah it's, it feels like a whole 180 from how you were living. Yep. Even from when I lived before. 
So from your perspective, what would you say is the best way to help people out of homelessness and addiction? Um, just be there for them when they're ready. You can't, no one's going to do what you want. I mean, if, if they go into a program because you want them to, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. They got to be ready. And basically just let them know that they're human beings. Show them some love. Show them that, give them the respect that they deserve. I mean, being homeless is not easy. You wake up every day and your mission is to get money for drugs. You'll do anything to do it. You'll walk miles with a backpack with everything you own in it, which could weigh 50 to 100 pounds. You're carrying that five, 10 miles uphill, down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a I lot of do work. That now. I think people have a hard time who have never experienced homelessness or have or had much interaction with people who have have been homeless themselves. Um, there's this uncertainty of how to approach people who are homeless and may need help um, because people might not feel safe and they don't know what that person is going through at that moment or if they're on drugs or if they're in their right mind or um, would you have any suggestions for people when we approach people on the street or if we're asked for money? What would you Um, say about any of that? Well, just like anybody, you can gauge a person from what their actions are or how they look somewhat. But if someone's sitting there yelling at the world, I just stay away from If Mm -hmm. someone looks like they could use some help, treat them like a human being. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the drugs they're on. Because actually, I hope they are. (laughs) Drugs make it so much easier. Hmm. And yeah, just treat them like a human being. Yeah. Give them some respect. It just sucks being treated differently. Seeing the, I imagine it would be weird to sort of go from being on the street and being seen as less than human, really, to now your experience, not too much later. And now you see people that were in your same position. Is that sort of a strange thing to experience for you? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. I hated being homeless. I didn't plan on being there for long. I mean, eight years was way longer than I ever expected. I mean, being homeless, I never expected. I thought I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Lord knows I tried real hard. <laughs> but you know I'm, most of the people out there know well that know me know that I was I went hard I went big and I've had some of the worst shit happen to me mm-hmm. so they know you know if I can do it hell Anybody can. So from what I know about you, Marty, 
you are really selfless. You're really compassionate. You have hope and you're kind. How do you still have all of those things after all that you've been through? Because there's nothing anybody can do to me. That hasn't been done before. I'm not scared of anything anymore. Once you meet Jesus, <laughs> you know, once you know that there is a heaven, and hopefully that's where I'm going, I think I will. I ain't worried about it no more. And it's just, life is too short and too precious to be anything but happy. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wish more of us could be like you, come out of tough situations on the other side like that. <laughs> That's pretty rare, yeah. I feel like. Well, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to go through what I did. Yeah. What's your relationship like with your sons now? Oh, not good. My youngest one came out here to live with me for a little bit. And he obviously has problems with me because of leaving him behind, he said. So we fell out. Mm -hmm. I don't talk to either one of them, no. But oh well. Yeah. At least now I know. And at least they know I'm still alive. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think would be helpful for people to know just about your experience and your story? A lot of people need to wake up and realize that, you know, they're one mistake away from becoming homeless. That's all it takes. One thing to go wrong. And everything else will go. And then next thing you know, you're on the street. Mm. Yeah, it can so, happen to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I got a degree in business management. Uh, five certificates that go along with it. 25 years of welding experience. Plant manager. Then I became homeless. And the junkie. So, actually, I became the thing I hated most, the junkie thief. Never thought I'd do that. Yeah. That's not what you at all pictured for your life, I'm sure. <laughs> not at all. Um, but people just got to realize that them are human beings. They're just in a shitty situation. So treat them like that. Treat them like they're worth it. But, you know, they're just like them. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know that a lot of that is not easy to talk about, but I hope that it helps people feel that for others. And that's kind of the goal of this podcast anyways is just making people connect to each other and feel we're all human and we're all going through stuff and um 
I feel like you, your story can help people understand, you know, what others are going through in that situation. So thank you so much for sharing so openly and vulnerably about all of that. That's no problem. It's actually, if it helps, it's always a good thing. Hey guys, if you are liking this podcast, would you consider going to Apple Podcasts to rate and review it? That would really help me out and I would love to hear what you are enjoying most so far. For more content and episodes, you can visit www.thecuriositycast.com or follow us on Instagram at thecuriositycast. Stay curious.